Michelle is a musician with albums released as Everyone Except Me and artist behind the post-apocalyptic webcomic Stray Cats. She's kind, a bit shy, and furiously creative. Henrik is a filmmaker with over two dozen films and TV shows as producer, director, and occasionally host. He also released a couple of music albums. He's bombastic, larger than life, and tenacious almost to a fault. Together, they've been best friends for a decade. This show is awkward. All right, Michelle, we got to talk about something. Why? Because uh, <laughs> because today, well, no, uh, I woke up this morning as I often do in the morning. I woke up and um, and I noticed uh, in my time hop. Do you you don't use time hop? Do you? You're not a, a pathetic nostalgist like me, I guess. I, I use Time Hop, which for those who don't know is an app that reads your Instagram and your Facebook and your phone itself and like shows you what you were posting or what photos you were taking that day a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. I try not to go back more than seven or eight years ago or it gets really sad. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> But I like it because often it gives me a sense of uh, time in a good way. You know, it kind of reminds me like, whoa, that was that long ago or whoa, that was only a year ago. Usually it's always, wow, I can't believe like I watched that movie a year ago. I thought it was more recent or whatever. So I, this morning I was swiping through my time hop, which is kind of like a thing I do when I wake up, when I first wake up and get out of bed, I'll look at my time hop for a little bit while I'm loading up my emails and all that stuff. Um, And something popped up that happened a year ago on the day that we're recording this, which is January 7th. Okay. In January 7th, 2015, uh, armed terrorists uh, broke into the offices of Charlie Hebdo and opened fire. And I usually don't talk about things quite this heavy, quite this often. Mm -hmm. Your your face tells me that you're like, yes, you do. Um, But I don't know if, do you remember my reaction when the Charlie Hebdo thing happened? No, honestly, not, not enough that I That's would okay. say no, yes. I mean, it, it doesn't, just because it had an, a profound effect on me doesn't mean that the effect it had on me had a profound effect on everyone around me. I, I just figured I'd ask in case I was, I don't remember exactly how I was mm-hmm. to others, but it was an incredibly shocking thing. So I wanted to talk about that today. I wanted to bring that to the table and I and everybody hold on to your butts because I actually like vaguely prepared for the show. Uh, but no, I really do want to talk about this because um, I don't like to get particularly political on the show really at all. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I do not consider political is the fact that I am a free speech absolutist. I think that's and, political, but okay. <laughs> well, to me, if if somebody says I think that's political. Uh, that you like, if somebody says like you're, you're proclaiming a, uh, a political alliance by saying you believe in free speech, I'm going to immediately assume that that means that they're on the side of, of not free speech, which makes me very uncomfortable, uh, and suggests that they're some kind of fascist because, because the only people who, by, and to my understanding of the world, the only people who oppose freedom of speech are fascists because fascists are the only people who gain from controlling speech. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to mostly talk about it in the case of the Charlie Hebdo thing, but I, I've always believed that if, if there's too much bad speech, fight it with good speech. I've always believed that 
don't fight it with guns. Don't fight it with knives. Don't fight it with, you know, fists. Fight it with your words. And, and I know there's the arguments like, well, you can't yell fire and a blah, blah, blah. Freedom of speech doesn't protect inciting violence. It doesn't protect inciting panic. Of course, that's up to like the Supreme Court to determine the definition of those things. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that you have to defend unpopular speech because it's so easy. People have such short memories. They don't remember that in, you know, 1980 saying like gay people should be able to get married. People were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like, what is wrong with you? And people will be like, he shouldn't be saying that on television. He shouldn't be whatever. They, they forget so quickly. Once you become supported by the establishment, it's so easy to forget that they were your enemy like eight minutes ago in the, in the grand scheme of history. You know, uh, uh, gay marriage has only been a thing for, I think it's been just under 10 years, national gay marriage. Mm-hmm. There was a time when freedom of speech was the only thing that allowed uh, publishers and radio hosts and people on television to say that incredibly unpopular opinion at one point that is now a popular opinion. That's important. And we need that. Unfortunately, the other side of it is you're going to get people with opinions I find abhorrent and many find abhorrent. They're going to yell from the top of their roofs, whatever they want to yell. But I can walk away from them or I can yell back. I have that choice. Mm -hmm. And if they decide to yell and then punch me, that's not speech. That's violence. And there's a big difference. And I think it's dangerous when we try to suggest that speech is in and of itself violence. But that's a whole other conversation. I I legitimately want to talk about Charlie Hebdo in particular, and then I can talk about the fallout of that. But do you have anything you want to add? Because I feel like your your eyes are very wide. Um. They're not. No, I mean, no, I I don't disagree with you. I do disagree with the idea that people who don't support, that all people who don't support free speech are fascists, because I don't think that, I think that that gives everybody who doesn't support free speech way more credit than credit would be due. Um, Maybe. I would love for you to expand on that. That's really interesting. I I don't really know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know about this, so I didn't prepare. Um, (laughs) You never know what's going to happen on the show. That's what keeps it frosty. Yeah. Um, No, no. I just think that, I think that, uh, I, I, I think you're right to something, but like, I, I just, I think there are people who at least don't believe that their views are fascist. Oh, definitely. Speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think that the most dangerous fascist is the fascist who doesn't believe that they're a fascist because uh, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I just made that up. That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I, I don't think that the average person who wants to quell freedom of speech is an evil person. Mm-hmm. I believe that they may be flirting with an evil philosophy. Okay. And not realize it. Okay. I, I, I think that very few bad guys walk around going, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody is a character in a book. You know, in fact, very few are. Um, I think that most of the time when people want to squash freedom of speech, 
most of the time they have, they think that they have the best interests at heart for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, pr- the problem is that what happens when someone who has a more constricting view of the world gets that power? You know, uh, I heard somebody say like, uh, you know, I hate, I hate cause it sounds, this sounds more political, but like somebody said like, uh, my neighbor has a Confederate flag in his window. He has for the five years he's lived next door to me. He's mm-hmm. a totally fine neighbor. One time I was watching monster squad in my backyard with a bunch of my friends and he walked over to the fence and I got really nervous because I try so hard not to annoy my neighbors with the, my backyard movies. I always feel bad. I'm like, Oh God, is it too loud? He leans over the fence and I'm like, Oh, and it looks over and he goes, dude, are you watching monster squad? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, do you want to watch too? And he's like, I might catch a little bit of it. I have it on DVD. (laughs) So he's a fine dude Mm -hmm. who clearly to him, from what I can experience from him, I'm guessing that that flag means something different to him than it means to many other people who don't like it. Mm -hmm. Fine. But I heard someone tell me like, you shouldn't be able to display that flag because it would be, it's like for public good for public safety for public well-being and my response to that is well that's the argument that people made about like gay couples shouldn't be allowed to show affection to each other in public well it's going to tear down the fiber of our society it's going to make it's all of these arguments have been made against marginalized groups and that's the dangerous thing because if you keep everything just to democracy you're going to have nothing but mob rule mm-hmm and and a lot of the people who who fight against free speech whether they realize it or not want to help minorities who by definition don't have democratic power because they're not the majority and that's the problem you know i worked in in uh public access television for years and we had a very strict free speech code um and they kept trying to inch it back but they would use excuses like it was for profanity. Profanity is speech. The Supreme Court deemed it so. Um, but there was a time before I was working in cable access when there was a neo-Nazi show in the 1990s. Wow. And you know what they did? You know what they did? They didn't what? do anything. Because no one liked the fucking show. It was, it was shit. It was some neo-Nazi guy talking about neo-Nazi shit. Nobody wanted to hear that. So no one watched it. To me, that was handling it well. Mm-hmm. And there were people that tried to get rid of them though. And you know what they did when the people tried to get rid of them? They called the ACLU and threatened a lawsuit. So anyway, I got sidetracked. <laughs> Um, but I do, I want to say before, before I talk about Charlie Hebdo shooting, I want to say very much, Michelle, I agree with you about, about your point about, I don't think that these people are intentionally uh, supporting some kind of a fascist idea. I think that they really think that they're helping or that they will help. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I believe very few people are evil, but I'm about to tell you about people who are evil. Um, and you know, not in the biblical sense because I don't believe in the Bible, but uh, I'm going to take a look at, I'm going to read the Wikipedia page to refresh everyone's memory about the Charlie Hebdo shooting. That's Charlie Hebdo with an H cause it's French. This happened in France where the H is silent. Like it's supposed to be in my name. <laughs> um, 
So on se- the 7th of January, 2015, at around 11.30 a.m. local time, two French Muslim brothers, Saeed and Sharif, I don't want to say their names, actually, because fuck those people. Sorry, I, 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 I'm so good at cold reading, I, had to, I was almost done reading their names when I realized I didn't want to read it. I don't want to read their names because they don't, they don't deserve any fame. They don't mm-hmm. deserve to be remembered. They don't. I believe that about anybody who does something like this, Mm -hmm. uh, forced their way into the offices of the French satirical weekly newspaper, Charlie Hebdo in Paris, armed with rifles and other weapons. They killed 12 people and injured 11 others. The gunmen identified themselves as belonging to the Islamic terrorist group, Al Qaeda in the Arabian peninsula, which took responsibility for the attack. Several related attacks followed in the La de France region on seventh on the seventh through the ninth of January 2015, including a hypercatcher kosher supermarket siege where uh, where a terrorist held 19 hostages of whom he murdered four Jewish people. Uh, France raised its uh, vigaparate. Sorry, I don't speak French. Yeah. Terror alert and deployed soldiers in La de France and Picardy. A major manhunt led to the discovery of the suspects who exchanged fire with police. The brothers took hostages at the signage company uh, on the uh, at a signage company on the 9th of January and were shot dead when they emerged from the building. Um. So that's I mean that's the big thing. Uh, let me find. So the reason for the attacks is important because they're a magazine, a humor magazine. Um, Char- and, and for those who don't remember, uh, there was a social media campaign where people were putting Je suis Charlie on their, on their Facebook, which meant I am Charlie. Uh, but I'll get to that in a second. Charlie Hebdo is a publication that has always courted controversy with satirical attacks on political and religious leaders. It published cartoons of the Islamic prophet Muhammad in 2012, forcing France to temporarily close embassies and schools in more than 20 countries amid fears of reprisals. Its offices had been firebombed in November of 2011 after publishing a previous caricature of Muhammad on its cover. On December 16th, 2020, 14 people who were accomplices to both the Charlie Hebdo and Jewish supermarket attacks uh, were convicted. However, three of these accomplices were still not captured and were tried in absentia. So, so Charlie Hebdo was a comedy magazine, like Mad Magazine, but French. And they said things that these people did not like. And the reaction was to kill them. Um, obviously, there's a religious aspect to it. Um, but this hit me really hard, not just because of the, you know, of, of this type of attack, because it's very common, especially in Europe. But I'm going to read a little bit more and then I'm going to talk about it because I'm trying to kind of keep my, my, my bearings. Okay. So I'm going to read a little, I'm going to read the piece about what satirical works they published. Okay. Okay. Michelle. Okay. (laughs) They can't hear your head rattle. That's what my mom used to always say. Yeah. But, but I don't like, I feel like when I say like, okay, or like I say like "Mm -hmm," a lot, it doesn't work either in, (laughs) in like podcasting. So I just try to like be here. I, I, I just, I'm reading a bunch. I don't want to like, I want you to be involved. I mean, do you have anything to say about that part that we just read? 
No, just continue. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Charlie Hebdo, French for Charlie Weekly, is a French satirical weekly newspaper that features cartoons, reports, and polemics, uh, polemics, polemics, which is a contentious rhetoric intended to support a specific position by forthright claims and undermining opposition um, and jokes. The publication, irreverent and stridently nonconformist in tone, is strongly secularist, anti-religious, and left-wing. Publishing articles that mock Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, and various other groups as local and world news unfolds. The magazine was published from 1961 to 1981 and has been again from 1992 onward. Charlie Hebdo has a history of attracting controversy. In 2006, Islamic organizations under French hate speech laws unsuccessfully sued over the newspaper's republication of uh, a cartoon of Muhammad. The cover of the 2011 issue retitled Sharia Hebdo... Which would be French for Sharia Weekly. Sorry, it's just that's they. That's one of the things about the story. They they were they were like, oh yeah, and then they just mm-hmm. be worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, featured a cartoon of Muhammad whose depiction is forbidden in most interpretations of Islam, with some Persian exceptions. The newspaper's office was firebombed and its website hacked. In 2012, the newspaper published a series of satirical cartoons of Muhammad, including nude caricatures. This came days after a series of violent attacks on U.S. embassies in the Middle East, purportedly in response to the anti-Islamic film Innocence of Muslims, which I want to mention was, it turned out to be basically manufactured. I saw that, that short film, Innocence of Muslims. That was just to detract from what caused Benghazi. Mm-hmm. We should talk about Benghazi. I'm fucking kidding. I don't want to talk about Benghazi <laughs> in a little bit. So we're going to continue. <laughs> Um, in 2013, uh, oh, sorry, I skipped around, um, prompting the French government to close embassies, consulates, etc. Uh, riot police surrounded the newspaper's offices to protect it from possible attacks. Cartoonist Stéphane Charb, Charbonnier, Charbonnier had been the director of publication at Charlie Hebdo since 2009. Two years before the attack, he stated, we have to carry on until Islam has been rendered as banal as Catholicism. Banal, sorry as Catholicism, which I think is a fair point. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, like there yeah. was a time when Catholics could burn you at the stake for saying heresy. I think we all need a little, we need heresy to be as intense as Christian heresy, which is to say not very intense at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I mean, I'm a longstanding heretic. So um, in 2013, Al Qaeda added him to its most wanted list, along with the three other post uh, staff members, Kurt Westengard, Karsten Joost, and Fleming Rose. Being a sports shooter, Charb applied for a permit to be able to carry a firearm for self-defense, but his application went unanswered. Numerous violent plots related to the cartoons were discovered, primarily targeting cartoonist Westergaard, editor Rose, and the property or employees of the of the uh, newspaper and other newspapers that printed the cartoons. Westergaard was the subject of several attacks and planned attacks and lives under police protection. On the 1st of January 2010, police used guns to stop a would-be assassin in his home who was sentenced to nine years in prison. In 2010, three men based in Norway were arrested on suspicion of planning a terrorist attack against Gillians and Poston or Kirst Westergaard. Two of them were convicted. This is, of course, for the person who drew the comic. Not even This isn't even directly Charlie Hebdo. Mm-hmm. In the United States, David, Hed- David Headley and Tawar Hussein Rana were convicted in 2013 of planning terrorism against Jalan's Poston. So uh, that tells you a bit about their history. 
And there's stuff that this skips, like that uh, when one of their staff members was murdered by terrorists, the next issue of the of the magazine, they published him making out with the Prophet Muhammad. They drew their cartoonist who was murdered, wow. making out with the Prophet Muhammad on the front. And you know what the te- the text was? It was love conquers all, I believe, or love is all that's important. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to read one more piece from this, and then we're just going to talk about it. I, I apologize, but I think this is important. I really do. And if this isn't the place for it, then where the fuck is, you know? <laughs> uh, just keep being afraid, Michelle, with that scared smile. It's <laughs> but, um, okay, so this is, an, this is a section about secularism and blasphemy. Okay. In France, um, blasphemy law ceased to exist with progressive emancipation of the Republic from the Catholic Church between 1789 and 1830. In in France, the principle of secularism was enshrined in the 1905 law on the separation of the churches and the state, and in 1945 became part of the Constitution. Under its terms, the government and all public administrations and services must be religion-blind, and their representatives must refrain from any display of religion, but private citizens and organizations are free to practice and express the religion of their choice where they, uh, where and as they wish, although discrimination based on religion is prohibited. In recent years, there has been a trend towards a stricter interpretation of that law, which would uh, also prohibit users of public services from expressing their religion, like the 2004 law which banned school pupils from wearing blatant religious symbols, or even banned citizens from expressing their religion in public. Um, So... Sorry, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent. Uh, Authors, humorists, cartoonists, and individuals have the right to satirize people, public actors, and religions, a right which is balanced by defamation laws. These rights and legal mechanisms were designed to protect freedom of speech from local powers, among which was then the then-powerful Catholic Church in France. Though images of Muhammad are not explicitly banned by the Quran itself, prominent Islamic views have long opposed human images, especially those of prophets. Such views have gained ground among militant Islamic groups. Um, yeah, this article doesn't really help with the, the point about, um, doesn't really help with the point. So I'm going to say, um, Jean Kabou, Elsa Kayat, Sharb, <coughs> Sharb Stefani Charbinier, Charbinier, uh, Philip Honoré, Bernard Maurice, Mustafa Arad, uh, Bernard Verhark, I'm sorry about these names, and Georges Wolinski uh, were the people killed. Oh my God, I'm sorry. And Frederick Bossier, Frank Brinsalaro, uh, Ahmed, uh, oh wait, uh, Ahmed Marabet, and Michel Renaud. Sorry about the pronunciation, but I really wanted to say their names. Those people deserve to have their names said. Mm-hmm. So, I bet you're wondering, hey, Henrik, what are you even getting at? I'm talking to Michelle, not the audience. Oh. I'm sure you're wondering, Henrik, where oh, are you going with not, this? Not really, but okay. <laughs> okay, so the reason I want to talk about this is because I was always a free speech, speech absolutist before this. Mm-hmm. But when this happened, I saw something that really made me sick on social media, which is people would start saying, sharing Jesui Charlie which mm-hmm. I did and many people did. And then people would comment and be like, you need to look into that magazine before you show support for it. Because yeah, it was bad that they were shot, but they said a lot of really horrible, insensitive racist things. Mm-hmm. And I just remember responding. Cause back then I would talk about politics on social media because I was young and dumb. I remember responding and saying, what does that matter? They were murdered. 
they were murdered. Like that, that doesn't matter. I, whether or not I would read and enjoy their magazine doesn't have anything to do with them being murdered in an act of terrorism to silence their viewpoints. And I think that that argument has grown in validity and, you know, of, of like, you know, of the, yeah, they didn't deserve this, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. would you say, you know, it's so ridiculous. Cause it's like, would you say like, yeah, that girl didn't deserve to be assaulted sexually, but what's the butt going to be motherfucker. What's the butt going to be? There shouldn't be a butt. It's wrong to kill someone. You know, if 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 it was like yes, that it's it's terrible that person died, but they were punching that person in the face twenty seven times. That's different. Maybe I'm wrong. I want you to say something. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I no, I I agree with you. Um, but but I I don't think it's the prevailing feel like not with charlie ebdo but just in general i don't feel like it's Mm -hmm. prevailing uh sentiment sentiment. sure that's not what i was going to say but it's close (laughs) enough um right now um because i because so many people like get hurt or things happen to them and then somebody says yeah but they was they were a bad person so i know this was unrelated but they were a bad person so it's okay and it's on both sides Oh, uh, I didn't say it was on one side. Oh, I'm no, I'm, I didn't say I'm, that you did. Okay, yeah, no, it's it's definitely on both sides. Um, now, while I feel comfortable saying reading those people's names and saying it was a tragedy, would I read those people's names and then say they were one of the best people ever and deserve to be worshipped by as many people as possible and deserve to be canonized as heroes? Not without knowing a little bit more about them, Mm -hmm. but they were victims of an evil ideology to stop people from speaking freely. Yeah. And that's wrong, 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 wrong. There's just no buts about it. And that's, you know, that's the perfect time. I've heard no buts about it a million times in my life, but this is the one time, seriously, this is where there's no buts about it. No buts about it. Killing him was wrong. No buts. Um, but no, that's my, yeah, but you're right. I mean, there's lots of like, yeah, this bad thing shouldn't happen, but they were a bad person. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's, it's just so much more shocking when it's involving speech when it's like, you know, yeah, it's terrible when anybody gets, you know, beaten over the head with a club, but he was saying shit. No one likes. So, you know, you got to take both, the both things into account. Now, if you can't handle hearing things you don't like. To the point that you can't keep your hands to yourself. Go back to elementary school. They teach you that. That's one of their goals is they teach you. Keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. So what I'm basically saying is uh, that, you know, these terrorists, uh, they have the maturity of a second grader, in my opinion. If you're, if you're, if your belief system, whatever it may be, because there are lots of terrorists that aren't just Muslim. Uh, if you have a belief system that says you have to put your hands on people, maybe you need to stop and think about, were you listening in second grade? You need to get, you need to get on that. Um, I know I don't have a perfect point, but I was very moved this morning when I realized that it had been, uh, six years since the Charlie Hebdo attacks. And I wanted to talk about them. 
I know, I feel like most people don't remember them the way I do, you know, I mean, so like directly remember them, but mm-hmm. I very much remember them. But it was that moment when I realized like, wow, we need to keep an eye on ourselves too. I mean, I'm a human being. If somebody who's really bad, who I feel is wronged me and those I love, if something bad happens to them, there are moments where I'm like good or where I'm like, you know, I should do something bad to them. I, I'm a human. We all have feelings like that, except you, because you are perfect and pure as the driven snow. But, but, but no, we do. We, we are all imperfect. But at the end of the day, Michelle, Rem told me not to kill. I don't think Rem ever said that. I think, I think, oh, 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 that Rem. Yeah, you're right. Rem did tell you not to kill. Oh, see, I brought, I brought you back into the conversation by re- referencing Trigun. So oh, now, you, now you've got to be a part of it again. <laughs> but it's just, it's just something I think about a lot. I think mm-hmm. about it like a shitload. I think not about, you know, people. about not killing people, <laughs> but no, about, about the fact that we need to be tolerant. And you know, what the worst is I keep hearing this argument now about like, but don't tolerate intolerance. What the fuck that, does that even mean? <laughs> like, I mean, if tolerate, if not tolerating intolerance means like punching, oh goodness. Uh, I don't know what to do. Just, I'm just going to pretend the doorbell didn't just ring. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you had a social call. Uh, were you expecting someone? No. Did I send you? Did I? I didn't send you anything. No, so. I don't think so. You already so. got the electric socks, right? Yeah. It was like several knocks and then the doorbell. So I don't know if it was my neighbor because they know my doorbell rings. So why would they? Why would they do that? It's okay. But Kiggs is like, what's going on? <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't. Um, there's a person right at my door. Fucking fuck, fuck. Fuck, do you want to do you want to check it? Yeah, can I check it? I it think it'll be twice. good. You got to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While Michelle is gone, I'm going to take this opportunity to make the show even more all about me. But no, um since Michelle's not here, um I just want to say uh I apologize if this episode was a lot for you to take, but uh I needed to share this and this is like the platform for whatever I want and whatever Michelle wants. So uh yeah, I just kind of I followed my heart. Also, I have a doggy sleeping on my foot. He is very cute. He's a very good boy. <sighs> so, what was it, Michelle? So, you can hear me. I can't hear you yet. I'm trying to figure out how to put this thing back on my chair. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was just some, some asshole who wanted to sell me some <laughs> electricity. <laughs> Did he have, like, a bottle of it? Yeah, and just like, did did you want this? And I was like, no, I don't want it. (laughs) No, he said he'd stop back later, so I have to not answer the door later. (laughs) Well, okay, I want to bring things to, you know, wrap things up. It's okay. I want to wrap things up a little bit because I know that this was kind of a weird topic, but I I was saying while you were gone, like, if this isn't the place to do it, then where the hell is? So, uh, for me. So... Um, but have you ever had a run in with, with, you know, your freedom of speech being trampled? Um, in order to have that happen, I would have to say things out loud (laughs) to people. So it was very hard for that to happen to me. Um, no, honestly, like I didn't even say anything that's that good anyway, that anyone (laughs) would want to stop me from saying it. See, I got my car keyed once for saying jokes. I remember that. 
Yeah. Maybe. And then and then they came back and egged my car too. I remember that too. I remember that being shocking because I went outside after I heard them egg my car and I walked up the street like almost the whole block and realized that I was the only car that got egged. And I was like, well, I guess that answers that question. Um, and that wasn't even for saying anything worth a shit. I was just making up jokes because I was playing a show and there weren't a lot of people there. So I was just trying to make them laugh at mm-hmm. desperately. So... Yeah. No, um, when I was a teenager, uh, I was maybe 14 years old. I was in middle school and, uh, I was editing videos at my local cable access station. Right. Mm -hmm. And I got asked if I could make a video for the school, uh, like a a video they could show the school and, and, uh, use the access channel stuff. And I told them, sure. Why not? So they told me that they didn't need me to film anything. All they needed was for me to take the footage and edit it. So they hand me a tape with all the footage. And I said, okay, I just need to know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And the lady literally was like, oh, whatever you want. So I was like, no, I need to know what you want this to be. And I'm like 14. Yeah. And literally she was like, whatever you want. So I took it into the cable access station on a Saturday and spent eight hours in the edit suite and made the most bizarre, uh, nonsensical. (laughs) So, okay. So when you, when you, uh, when you're working on analog video, you're going to love this because you, you, you like, uh, you like, uh, colors and design, you know, cause you illustrate and stuff like that. When you wanted a color, like a, a screen that's just like red or blue or green, there you couldn't just pull it up because it was everything was analog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you had was a little knob on a on a on a uh, little broadcast box, and you would twist it, and it would turn the um, the frequencies, and you could choose the color. You would just turn it until you got the color you liked. Cool. It was really cool, especially because yeah. you just keep turning, and you'd be like that red and you keep turning like oh, oh, now it's purple and you go back and you'd be like okay this red and that's how you got solid colors that's so cool isn't that neat yeah well i found out the coolest thing ever which was if you twist that knob really fast you get psychedelic every color super duper fast <laughs> so, so i made this video for the middle school remember after asking multiple times they kept, they told me do whatever you want. So it made no sense. Oh, and also the video actually like it was very clear that they actually had a specific thing they wanted because there were like videos where a kid would be standing there and be like, "For Friday's acrostic, we're going to talk about." And I was like, "Am I supposed to be making these for days?" Because I was only told to make one thing. Like, yeah. so I just put everything in in weird order. Um, one of my favorite things is I put polka music in it. I Aww. put like loud blaring polka music in it. Um, and the flashing colors that would almost give you a seizure. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I never once thought I was doing what they had asked, by the way. I mean, I'm not stupid. I was being a jerk because I was, because they made, they held me on the line for like two or three weeks. And this was by the way, for a teacher that wasn't even my teacher. It was like the creative writing teacher. And I wasn't even in creative writing at that point. Um, so I turn in the tape to the teacher to show and 
I get called to her, uh, I get called to her classroom and I go there to talk to her at lunch. And she tells me like, I think maybe you needed attention for doing this. And I literally was like, I was literally like, a, for doing what? For making the video for you that you asked for? And she's like, well, that was clearly not the video I wanted. I was like, you never gave me any, uh, you never gave me any guidance. And she said, I think maybe you, you know, you need to understand that, you know, this was inappropriate. I didn't put any swear words or violence or anything in it. It was just, just what weird. they gave me and yeah. crazy. It was, no, it was so weird, Michelle. I might even have a copy of it. Cool. It was so weird, uh, boring and weird. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I got sick of talking to this lady. I'm like 14 or 15. I can't remember exactly. So finally I said, uh, I finally, no, I was probably 13 or 14. Uh, but eventually I finally just said like, well, what about my freedom of speech? Like I went that way. I was like, what about my freedom of speech? And I was not a cool kid. I don't want this story to sound like I was a cool kid. I had like no friends. Uh, no one wanted to come to my birthday party. Like I was not a cool kid. I was bullied relentlessly. Uh, not a cool kid, but this is probably the coolest thing I ever did in school. She, she said, okay, but freedom of speech also means freedom of responsibility. And I literally looked at her and was like, what? I think she was trying to say it doesn't mean you're free from responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she said freedom of speech is also freedom of responsibility. And I said, well, that doesn't even make sense. If you don't like the video, don't show it. And I left. Oh, wow. And she wasn't like super stern. She was actually like apologetic, which was worse. It was like she was trying to get me on her side. Like, mm -hmm. oh, goodness, you know, but maybe you needed attention. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you my advocate? motherfucker so but i want you to know um and you know what the uh, uh yeah uh, i want you to know how the story ends is really important okay so when you worked back then when you were a volunteer community access channel uh, or the community access station they had three channels government access which is for government video and stuff like that community access which is for the community and educational access which is for educational organizations, uh, particularly public education, because uh, West Carrollton School, which is where I went, it was one of the member cities. Okay. That video with her name and the West Carrollton Middle School name and uh, all of that, I submitted it to the educational channel because I did it for West Carrollton Schools and it aired literally... It pr it probably aired a dozen times a week for a month. Wow! On the educational channel, on television, on like actual cable television, wow. this this nutsoid video aired that made no sense. Wow. That's why I know I I probably have a copy because I taped it off of the off of the educational channel so I could have a copy. No one ever took it down. No one ever pulled it out of rotation. That's so, so weird. <laughs> well, because because. And I guess this is my main point. Actually, this kind of brings it all together because she was incompetent in that element of her job. Mm -hmm. She, I, she was outside of her wheelhouse. She didn't really know what she was doing. She was just trying to push somebody around that she could. And what happened? Her name and her school and that video that she thought was so offensive and insulting. <laughs> uh, it aired everywhere. 
Um, seven hundred and forty thousand potential households um, wow. had that channel. Wow. So, and the best part was if you looked in your cable list, it would say like West Carroll Middle School. Uh, I forget what it was called now, but it was like Stand Against Violence or some shit. I forget <laughs> what the thing was called. It was you know, um, and then and then like when it played, it had her name on the front of it because she's the one who who did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even, <laughs> in my defense, because I was a pretty straight arrow as a kid, honestly, this was probably the beginning of me becoming a total fucking nut job like I am now. Um, in the beginning, I even told her, this teacher, I was like, I'm going on Saturday. Do you want to come with me? You know, do you want to come to the access station, sit in the room? And we yeah, can put we can do it. No, 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 no. So... I also never got that detention, by the way. I guess she just gave up. I think she realized that it was not worth fighting, mm-hmm. um, which was the smartest thing she could have done. So mm-hmm. yeah. my point is, if you try to stifle free speech, if you try to stifle creative people, you will lose. You will always lose unless you kill us. Please do not kill us. Yeah, that didn't make me feel good. <laughs> please what don't do you mean? Please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. You can stop me. It's okay. Just don't <laughs> kill me. Thanks for listening. You can email us at thisshowisawkward at gmail.com or go to awkwardshow.com or whatever. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>